Welcome to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, we do not have one of our special co-presenters in the studio today. We don't have Raf Clark, but the guru is here as always, Rob Hale, to pick up the slack. Robbie, how was the week? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Um, yeah, just the same old week for me, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty low-key. Last week of the school holidays for teachers like me and parents like you. Um, yep. So... Back into the thicker things next week. Hey, we have a huge show coming up. We have Lee Crossman, the coach of Banks. Obviously, the news in previous weeks has been that Banks are set to move to the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to ask him about that and the relationship with Tiwi and a whole bunch of other things. We have Zach Bailey in, one of the most exciting young Territorians currently playing in the AFL. And another man who needs no introduction to Territory footy is a bit of a cult here, a local star, local legend in Brodie Philo. So that's a pretty yep. good lineup, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, it definitely is. It gives us a different dynamic with a coach, a player. I'm a local player and an AFL player, young local bloke that just signed for a big contract extension at the Brisbane Lions as well, Jacko. So it's going to be really good to have Zach Bailey on. So before we get into it too much... A couple of teams are celebrating some milestones this weekend. Palmerston are having their 50-year celebrations. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about their early 2000s teams. That's sort of my earliest mm. memory of Palmerston, uh, them being an absolute powerhouse of the competition. So we'll talk about that now, actually. I remember uh, one of my sort of favourite or obscure football memories was Peter Shepard once booting 20 goals against Waratah. So he was a key forward, and he was chasing uh, Brad Nordhausen, I believe, from Wanderers, who led the yep. competition at the time. And they just fed him. They played Waratahs and Palmerston were dominant. And I think he kicked 20 goals, 14, with one out in the full. And I remember uh, the great Normie Hagen was talking about, hey, I've never been more scared in my life that my record was going to get broken. He, he kicked 24 goals, I think, back in the 70s. Um, but then you talk about players who were really good players to Palmerston and went on to have great AFL careers like the Davy Boys, Alwyn and Aaron. Matthew Stokes played there as a 15, 16-year-old. I think he debuted at 14. Uh, Trent Henschel is a young key forward who unfortunately got injured during his time at Adelaide. The late, great Jerry Frank. The list goes on. I think uh, Zach Bailey's father was even a part of that. I think they called him Beadle. It might be a question to ask him. But do you remember those early Palmerston teams and, and just dominant they were, led by, of course, Russell Jeffrey? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, because the old man was coaching around that time, I was sort of helping out, doing stats and stuff like that, and always at the games. And they had a very strong lineup um, in those early days. And obviously they did, and, they, and a young local lineup mm. as well at most of the start. Um, but they obviously did lose a lot of guys to the draft, and they haven't they haven't been able to in twenty odd years haven't been able to recapture that you know that um, that era, have they? Not really, and it was a bit sad because Palmerston looked like an absolute powerhouse. I mean, their off-field coaching team was, I think they had like Madjo involved, Michael mm. McLean and Mark West and a bunch of ex-AFL players there. So hopefully not too far away from the old glory days again for Palmerston Magpies. Speaking of the glory days, uh, Raf Clark is busy celebrating a 20th year anniversary for the 2002-03 Premiership team. Now I scan down and I see the coach and there is a hail this is Damien Hale, your old man. You would have been a young chap, about 12 or 13 years old. I think the first of three consecutive flags for the old man. So if he's uh, if he loves premiership reunions, he'll have a few coming up over the next few years. Yeah. What do you remember about this first one? I remember they were pretty... I thought they were, you know, underdogs a bit. Um, Palmerston had a, like, a few like, stars and Salem Hussain and Peter Shepard as well in that lineup. Um, and but and the late Jerry Frank was also pretty dominant. Um, and they ran a tag with John O. Uh, John o Palmer went to um, Jerry Frank and tagged him out of the game. And Palmy definitely had their opportunities to win the game. But in the end, uh, St. Mary's got over the line. And 
They were actually down at, I think, at three-quarter time. They were down, yeah, and uh, they moved Iggy Vallejo forward and kicked two goals in the last quarter. Let's talk about that lineup. So from the back line, we had Eddie Gunderson, John Anstez, Cyril Rioli, Iggy Vallejo, Anthony Vallejo, the skipper, and Errol McCoy. Some big names there. Yeah, definitely, and that started off the premierships for Iggy Vallejo and John Anstess. And, as of well. course, Cyril Rioli played in a whole bunch. What did he end up with? About 12 flags or something? Yeah, about that. Um, 11, I think. Yeah, yeah, 11 or 12. Yeah, The champion correct. back pocket of the... Con- probably, if you're picking an NTFL team of the century, that, that spot was probably his, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Centre line, we had Daniel Flesfader, Sean Nicholson, Corey Munson with our ruck line, Ricky Nolan, Heath Culpert and Aaron Langsworth. I think, from memory, that was Culpert's first stint up for St Mary's. He played some great football, ended up winning a Nichols medal, I think, in 05, 06. But... Uh, he was very dominant this year too. What do you know about that midfield line? Yeah, I got to play with Colpy. Um, you know, to, at the start of my career and played in the premiership with Colpy. He's probably one of the best ball users I've seen. And Sean Rioli said he's the only player if he ran past him for a handball, he'd give it because <laughs> he's the only bloke that's got a better kick than him, he said. So that's it. Yeah, Keith Colpy was very good and set high standards as well for the group. The forward line, we had Aaron Clark, Nick Ingle, John Palmer, Willie Rioli, Danny Nolan, and our man, Raphael Clark. How old would he have been then? What, about 16, Se- eh? 17, yeah, yeah. I reckon, because um, he did get drafted a year later and, um, yeah, missed the season, but obviously being a first-round pick. Um, Danny Nolan was really good. Um, yeah. Rick Nolan's brother, um, probably less alone known these days, considering he hasn't been back in a while. Um, and I ended up playing in the premiership with Danny as well, which was um, pretty cool. Um, and obviously the late Willie Rioli was, the, you know, the voice of the team. He was a star, uh, all three of those names. But Danny Nolan, uh, just on that, I think he was a champion at Heidelberg in Victoria. And Mm. one of those players where there was all those rumours, oh, no, Danny Nolan can play through the midfield and be equally as effective. But a big, strong bloke like him that can read the play, you stick him at full forward. And I think he almost kicked 100 goals one of those years. It potentially could have been that year. So a very, very good player there. Speaking of our man, Raph Clark, I was watching a game, uh, the Indigenous All-Stars versus Carlton. 17,500 people there, which is still a record at Mm. TIO Stadium. And young Raph was like the special guest player. I said before off air that it was, I believe, Raph and Corey Archie as the two non-AFL listed players. Archie was a gun fullback uh, for Port Adelaide and they needed a little bit of size, I think, in that defense. Mm. Raph was like the invitational player who was going to get drafted in the first round and eventually did that season. And he was exciting. He was very, very good. Um, I know my old man said that Raph Clark's one of the better young players that he's seen play in the NTFL before getting drafted. I don't know if you remember too much, but are there any memories at all of a young Raph? And he'd be embarrassed to talk about that if he was here. So the humble man, but uh, yeah. a very, very good player before he was drafted, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. I remember one of the finals he ran right. He had, a, I think he had a quiet grand final, but there was definitely a few games as a 16, 17-year-old when dad was coaching that I was only young, obviously, but he was clearly best on ground and above the level of NTFL at that stage. And probably the most dominant junior I've seen playing senior football would have been Richard Tambling. He yeah. was, you know, he was in the best, probably 10, five to 10 players in the league quite comfortably as well at, um, at, at his draft year age. Yeah, I think we need to do a, a list one of these weeks. We won't ruin mm. it just yet, but you mentioned a name. My name would probably have to be a Brandon Parfit. I remember oh, uh, yeah, Parfitt, St. Yeah. Mary's had a very good team one time. I think we were going for like 42 wins in a row or something, and, and the, the drought was broken when Nycliffe beat us, and they had players like, uh, I think, Daly Shannon and Lockie McKenzie, and there was a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds, but the star mm. that day was a 16-year-old, Brandon Parfit, who 
had about 25 touches and just looked like a very experienced footballer from the get-go. Yeah. Obviously doing great things now as a Geelong Premiership player. Hey, the bench that year was Brian Stanislaus, Fred Murphy, Reggie Tibbenwoody, and Randall Rioli. I've got good memories of all those four players, but I suppose the one that stands out there is the great man, Brody. Uh, one of the yeah. best set shot goals some have said they have ever seen up in the top end. Yeah, it was definitely difficult, I think, for Dad because Brody was a bit overweight at the time and I remember him smashing the bikes out and I think he was, you know, not, I think it was Brody's last premiership and he was pretty much hanging by a thread and I think he ended up kicking three, four or five goals mm. in the granny anyway. So he That's ended up... you want from your experienced yeah, players? he definitely stood up on grand final day but um, it was towards the end of his career and it was a good little cherry on top for him and Surioli. Hey, we had some rep football last weekend and we're going to need a little while to talk about this but we will start the NTFL... 12-9-81 defeated South Fremantle 10-9-69 last Saturday night. A decent crowd. I uh, lacked a little bit of passion for mine, if I'm being picky. Um, but a very good game. Jaden Magro booted four goals and was judged best of field. Ryan Nyhouse and Dylan Lant also starred for the Territory team and it wouldn't have been too far behind uh, in that best of field honour. Did you... I know that you were preoccupied on Saturday night, but you did watch the replay. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I thought NT did what they had to do. They ended up um, getting out into a pretty comfortable margin and probably took their foot off the pedal a little bit and then South Rio come back. But I think I think probably NTFL was pretty safe in the end, really, weren't they? But mm. it did get to the toward, you know, that two-goal mark. And um, I think the balance is probably there. I'm not too sure what your thoughts are on the balance, but I think you do... In, well, we are very... It's not like the old days. I think there's a lot more Southerners coming mm. um, and they're coming into that better group but I think 10 or 11 locals is probably the level you need to have isn't it so we're talking about that local import debate and mm. I know when we named the team uh, we spoke about the team last week on the show and when I've named it on social media there are a lot of complaints about players like Mitch Robinson and Harley Bennell um, and, and players that have played at that AFL level and also uh, the players that have moved up like say a Matt Shannon or someone like that that have only mm. been in the NTFL for less than 12 months um, there was a few complaints about these players getting a game at the expense of some young locals. Where do you sit on this debate? Because all I need to say is take one look at the emergencies and then tell me that, you know, I forget what I'm trying to say here. Basically, take one look at the emergencies, have a look at where they're from, and then say that Southerners get an easy run here. Because I reckon that Luke Smith, Fraser Driscoll, and who's the other emergency? Ed Morris. Ed Morris. Yep. I reckon all three are in my probably my starting 22, if not my starting, you know, 28. Um, all very good players there. And I think Smith and Driscoll particularly mm. can feel very unlucky. So uh, yeah. where do you sit on this debate? I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's complicated. Look, yeah, it is. You've got Brody Newman and Mitch Taylor that played. So you probably take those two over Driscoll if you're going to go for that local. And, and Newman's a young kid that's played, what, three seasons now? And mm. he's only 22. Um, so, you know, you probably that's a decision that's fine. But the one that I can't get past is like Luke Smith. Like Luke yeah. Smith's number six on our top end 10. He should have played. Um, but they did go with that more local base. And well, later in the show, Jacko, we do have our SEN rolling 22. So that'll show us the difference between what the selectors selected and what we've selected as well, mate. So I'm excited to put that out there as well, out in the social medias. Yeah. Do you think you might get a few bites? Oh, yeah, I reckon it will. Um, considering that it is a pretty, you know, there is it's a bit more, I think it's as, you know, round, I think we're pretty rounded in how we selected this. And what impressed me also is that we just picked it as best players and it's sort of gone from the ladder mm. um, down with the amount of players that are in each side. So, 
So Dylan Lant, I thought, was going to be very interesting to follow his career. Still, mm. what, early 20s? He's a young fella yeah, still. Yeah, 22, 23. I, I think. think that he clearly has the ability to make an impact at state league level, and he has done that on multiple occasions. He got lost a little bit, I think, at the Essendon Footy Club uh, mm. when he was playing VFL for them. Not lost in an on-field sense, but in, in where he sort of stood uh, in regarding the list because, you know, everyone's going to favour the AFL players and the ones that are listed in front of blokes like Lant. But when he was able to go to Glenelg, a standalone team. I think he averaged 26, 27 disposals, mm. ran off the half back and looked looked amazing, really. There were talks about him getting picked up in the rookie draft. So where do you see Dylan Lance's future as a footballer? Do you think he could potentially play at the top level if, if his cards fell right? Or if not, he's going to be a very good player for St. Mary's for a long time, isn't he? Yeah, if, yeah he definitely is going to be you know, a long-term player. But I, if I had a criticism of him previously, I thought that he was probably too outside. Um, didn't have that inside moment. Um, and then when you're looking at players that are inside, like every midfielder these days, you have moments where you got to go. And I thought he didn't have that to his game as much. But I think this year it's shown that he's more contested. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be staying up here. So I'm, I'm more confident that he's staying here in the off-season. Um, but I have to, you know, I have to find that out. But yeah, I think he needs to go to a state league level because he seems to be going up a, a notch from his uh, two previous years as well. This is the best I've ever seen him play. And you mentioned mm. that uh, outside aspect. If you look at his stats, contested posies and clearances mm. and stuff like that, he's up there with any player in the league. So I think he's sort of put that debate to bed a little bit. I tell you what, if he's staying up in Darwin, he's going to be a pretty inclu- pretty handy inclusion if someone wants to fly him in, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, you'd be loading up to fly him in. But it's, I didn't realise he was that young either. So, nah. like, yeah, yeah, he's... You see older blokes get picked up in the mid-season drafts. There's definitely that op- option there for him. Um, but, yeah, he's going to have to get down to state league level, and I'm not too sure if he is going to. Isn't it crazy how... I don't want to use the word lucky, but how fortunate St. Mary's are with players that move up and then just decide, no, this is my home now. I'm staying in Darwin. I think back, you know, 15 years ago when you had Carl Lode and Mm. Peter McFarlane, Justin Wilson to a lesser extent, spent a lot of time up in the territory um, and become legends of the club. It looks like Dill Lant and Nate Paredes is that next generation of of players like that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it it makes a big difference. I think the old man was able to do that with with his playing groups as well. And you see other footy clubs, whatever it is culturally, they bring in a lot of players and spend money. Money, but then they can't maintain them and St Mary's historically haven't paid in really anything pay up some, they have not helped pay someone to get up here but besides that they don't spend a whole lot of money and I think that was a big backbone of Nycliffe's success they were able mm. to get repeat people coming back and enjoying the club and Nycliffe off field's a really good atmosphere at the club rooms there Plenty more to come. The NTFL is back, Robbie. We will talk about the rep footy a little more. We'll talk about mm. some potential opponents, talk about the women's game, and, of course, our big lineup of guests, Lee Crossman, Zach Bailey, and Brody Philo. This is SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, a fast start to the show, Robbie. For those who just joined us, Raf Clark is away celebrating a 20-year premiership reunion, which we spoke about. But we do have a huge lineup of guests coming up. Lee Crossman, Brisbane Lions star Zach Bailey, and NTFL star Nycliffe champion Brody Philo. The NTFL is back, so we will talk about all of that later. Still digesting last weekend's representative football. I love representative footy. I know it got a bit of a bad rap. Not a bad rap, but there were a lot of criticisms. People like to look at the negatives on it. Um, I thought it was a good game, a good spectacle. Uh, Shout out to South Fremantle, who were awesome. They come up here and are really, really great. Hmm. Um, 
Do you like this whole idea of playing state league teams, or do you think maybe we can go in a different direction and play, say, a Gold Coast Suns or something like that? Yeah, I believe a Gold Coast Suns, and maybe we move it back to later in the year, perhaps, Clarky, um, because the Suns will be playing trail games against AFL sides, but an issue would be is that how hard the NT go in those games as well, and it might seem a bit like a trial game, won't it? But mm. if Gold Coast are going to be a proper territory side, and if this territory side still you know, 15, 20 years away or even longer and it might, or it might not happen. I think they should embrace that more, don't you reckon? I think so, but I do take a little bit of umbrance to moving it back later in the year. I don't know when the time would be. Um, mm. You know, what could we move it in the middle of our NTFL finals? Could it be like the NFL style where we have, or the AFL even, where you have that break um, in between the grand final and the preliminary final and have rep footy on that weekend? That would probably suit a team like the Gold Coast Suns more. Um, where? Where? When could we move the game? Probably we could do it before the grand final, maybe. Um, but that would mean that we'd have to mm. play the, that week before. Um, obviously, there is Southern football as well, and maybe the two grand final sides would probably not participate in it, maybe, um, which is the risk. But I just think if we don't move it back a bit more, then I think the likelihood of Suns coming up... Um, I, think, I think of them fitting it in with their schedule of mm. pr- uh, pre-games. I don't know if, if how early it would be now, if they'd be able to put aside together but if there are some minor injuries hamstrings stuff like that then you've got time to recover I'm um, obviously the injury factor but yeah I'd, I'd like to see him play under you know a more junior based Gold Coast side there with a few of their 18s academy kids topping up yeah well that's what I had in mind I thought if you had like let's say they're playing up here this year you try and play mm-hmm. as many of those nine territory boys as possible you're yeah. playing guys like Lloyd Johnson you're playing uh, a few academy members you're playing you know your Sam Flanders and guys that are trying to break into the best 22 mm-hmm. you're not necessarily bringing up Matty Rowell and, and King and players like that so no. I reckon yeah if you had like an underman Gold Coast team because let's face it a lot of these Waffle and Sample teams that are coming up are resting their best players anyway so it'd be no yeah. different at AFL level how yep. do you think the territory boys would go against a team like that. I mean, I know the first impression, the first instinct would be like, oh, well, it's a big standard jump. They're going to get smashed. But the last time the Territory played an AFL team was in 2004, which isn't that long ago. Maybe I'm showing my age a bit here, but 18 years, you know, isn't that long ago. We're not talking about the 70s and 80s and the glory days of Territory footy. But when they played the Western Bulldogs in 2004, it was just a two-point loss. It was a very wet game. I think Jared Islet dominated in the middle at TIO Stadium. How yep. would we go against the Suns? I think it would go okay, but it just it comes down to all that selection stuff that we've spoken about before, Clarky. Like, do you pick your best side or do you pick half your best side and some locals? <laughs> like, oh. I, I, it, it will make a difference when you play a side that, like, South Frio left six of their best, seven of their best 22, 24 out, mm. or nine according to Ben Rioli. So if they've left nine at home, then there's a big risk that, you know, that game's played again with their best side. I don't see NT winning. I look, I see that argument, but I think not not enough credit is given to the territory team as well. They were just thrown together at the last minute. There would have been blokes out there that barely knew each other. They didn't do a lot of training together. Um, at least South Frio, as much as they're a young and experienced team, have been training together and working on their game systems and their gameplay. So I don't know. I think but it's a double edged sword. Devil's advocate with that is that the women were training three times a week over the Christmas break and then into the into the game. So you're probably getting 12, 15 sessions in. It could be as as many as that, 12 sessions. So I think there, you know, there is a bit of chemistry there, and I do think that I think it does make a significant difference as well, though, who you do pick. And some players I thought that were picked probably aren't in the best 30. 
but it is what it is, you know. You can't do much about that. Well, what's the perfect blend? So, in my impression, I think you do want to, like, if it's a line ball 50-50 decision between a local and a southern player, uh, you pick the local, uh, just for obvious mm. reasons. If it's a, um, you know, if the southern player is better, I think you just have to go with that person. I think it's a reward for playing good football in the NTFL. And, and we have to be careful with what we call this team. It is a Northern Territory Football League representative team, and these southern players are representative of the best players in the Northern Territory Football League. I don't think we can sugarcoat things and play just a purely local team. It's not necessarily called the Northern Territory. It's the mm. NTFL Buffaloes. So um, I think it'd be too harsh to to not pick the side on merit. Um, yeah. And I'm contradicting myself a little bit here, but I do not mind a couple of invitational players like, you know, Lloyd Johnston got a run last year and he probably was in the best 22 players. But I like seeing, you know, I don't know if it's a Bo Tedcastle. I'm just trying to raffle names off the top of my head. I don't mind seeing yeah. um, <laughs> maybe one of the best, the top sort of couple of 19, 18-year-olds get an opportunity. Um, but I don't, I think we can go too far with this. And, and I think at the end of the day, we need to pick the side on merit. Well, if we're talking about that, I think the women's probably side did go too far on that. They did pick too many young, you know, probably 10 players under 21 which affected them winning. But then you can say, oh, well, it, I think it is different a little bit for the women's compared to the men's. But I definitely would have liked to seen, you know, Ronnie Fijo and those guys start on a wing and, and be there, not, mm. you know, Premier League players. Like a Dill Collis was a, a back flanker. He's on the wing and, you know, Jared Stokes up forward instead of starting on a wing. I would have preferred seeing that much, much more. You know what, Jared Stokes on the ball even. But, um, yeah, that's how I'd probably prefer prefer seeing it, mate. But, yeah, like like we said before, I think the Luke Smith decision was wrong. But then the Fraser Driscoll, you can see that side of it, can't you? Pick and mm-hmm. Mitch Taylor's a local bloke, you know, been a legend of Wanderers for a long time. I mean, right now, House is in superb form, and Brody Newman, and those three deserve their spot, isn't it? That's just line ball decisions. Yeah, I think it's very hard. Whenever, and we've spoken about this off air, whenever we talk about um, it's much easier to say who should have played or who mm. should have been in the top 10 when you have to start saying, all right, well, who are you going to take out? It's a much harder yeah, conversation. I definitely, definitely wouldn't. There's people I definitely, I can guarantee Luke Smith would, be, would have been playing if I was coach. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we move on, so if it's not the Suns, could there be. Any other alternative? I was thinking maybe the Indigenous All-Star under-23s or perhaps the AIS team, that, that under-18 All-Australian team that they normally play against the VFL opposition. Mm. Um, maybe something like that. It could be in tandem with a camp or, or something like a... I don't know, they do a lot of bonding sessions, the All-Australian under-18s and stuff. Yeah, could well, something like that a, be an idea? Yeah, I think so. I think that'd be pretty good. I don't know how yeah how it would go for crowd-wise. Um, obviously, well, I'm not experienced in that area, so I wouldn't know, but... Even, you know, how would we go if we versed the Red Tails? Or would that be too less of ex- expectation? I There's did, a lot of NTFL... Yeah, I did hear Australia. I did hear that tossed up. Um, Maddie Campbell's a very passionate uh, Red Tails man, and he, he may have proposed the idea. But, mm. um, yeah, look, I think that you'd have the NTFL. I think they would win pretty comfortably. Mm. Um, I think... You know, I don't know. Don't want to start a big argument here, but maybe <laughs> I think they'd win by ten goals or more if they so played the their team. To, mate, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Not at that level. I would have loved to see a, um, you know, a, a Central Australia Red Tails versus the top end in like a, you know, in the best of the Catherine League, best of the Tiwi, and all that sort of stuff. Play mm. maybe as a curtain raiser. Who knows? Something like that. Plenty to talk about. We do need to go uh, to a break. There is the women's game that we need to digest, and of course our big lineup of guests: Lee Crossman, Zach Bailey, and Brody Philo. This is SEN Friday at the top end thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end 16.11am thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin we will love your listing. Hey Robbie you were an interested observer in the NTFL women's representative game against Claremont. Claremont 5-3-33 defeated the local girls 3-4-22. I thought the Territory started the better team. Uh, Claremont Mm. were held goalless in the opening term and they took an eight point lead into the quarter time break. 
Following two quarters controlled by the Tigers, who won the WAFL Premiership last year, so a very decorated outfit. Um, and they outscored the Territory five goals to two in those middle quarters. The Territory, I thought, brought plenty of intensity in that last quarter, but they just couldn't create any genuine scoring opportunities. I think it was something like a point or two points to nothing in that last uh, quarter. Yep. What did you think of the game? Uh, there was a lot of things I thought. I definitely thought at quarter time they were going to the scoring end, but I thought they looked way better than Claremont mm. early. And then second and third quarter they dropped off they went in with 10 under 21s which is fair enough um, which we don't mind to see but they just weren't clean enough um, fumbled the football a lot Claremont were a lot cleaner and come down to selection they I reckon their backline had two or three players that actually play backline at club level you can't go and select <coughs> you can't go and select 14 12 to 14 girls that are midfielders mm. and then put them in the backline so I think they had previously got away with doing that, and that's not anything on Mel Taylor. That's a whole collective of the NTFL who picked that side. Mm. Um, so I was disappointed in seeing that. Like I think my sister-in-law played backline, and she looked like you know she looked out of water, out of depth back there, and there was a few others. And Sophie Hatzmalis, um, she I think she was really good. I think she was the best player, but she's a genuine backman, and Elisa Nikki as well, who I didn't I haven't seen a whole lot of, but she I thought she was really good as well as the key pillars. But besides them two, um, the backline really did struggle a bit at times. Um, and yeah, I think they just moved the board around a bit. So I'd like to see the side selected in positions and just the players just left in those positions for four quarters. Yeah, so I thought Jasmine Hewitt played a pretty good game as well. She yeah, has that she experience uh, at a higher level, played at AFLW. Um, so it's very hard though, like you have to admit when you're picking a rep side um, because by picking players that are, you know, like for picking, if you're going to pick your best six backmen, it means that maybe the fifth best midfielder in the comp misses out, you know, mm. and they might be a better player overall or have bigger wraps or bigger accolades um, than that backman. So I do understand the tough position that selectors are in. Can you see that side of things? Oh, a little bit, but it doesn't get me. Like, they, they, Claremont had two or three little small crafty forwards that have craft. They need a backman that can actually play on them. Um, you need to pick those players that are able to do that, and they didn't do that, so it is what it is. But also, geez, I was pretty um, pretty disappointed also when you can't even go and have a kick at quarter time, mate, and half time at the oh. game. Like I took my son out there and got told to get off. Like If it is community-level football or not, like I just thought that was very strange. Let's talk about that a little bit later because oh. we, could, we could probably go for a while. <laughs> hey, we are joined by a very special guest, a Tiwi Bombers Premiership coach and a Banks Premiership coach too. Everywhere he goes, Premierships follow him. Lee Crossman, are you on the line? Yeah, mate. I'm here. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Hey, you're coming off a flag at Banks and currently sitting third behind Waratah and Nycliffe. Are you happy where things are at this year? Yeah, yeah, very happy. Um, I think we're we're equal with points with with both sides. I might be one game behind with Waratahs with a bye. Uh, we've beaten both of those sides. So it's a pretty even comp with sort of districts and I think sort of points too, sort of just below us, I think. So it's a pretty close comp. But yeah, we're happy with where we're at. Hey, a lot of people who just follow Premier League do not understand the level of talent that is running around for Banks. I know last year, for example, you had Ed Morris and Ashton Hams, just to name a few. This year you have players, and, and you had them for previous years, but Nick Pavlou, who was a former TAC Cup gun and plays some very, very good football down south. I know in a VAFA game, VAFA, uh, which is a very, very accomplished league down there, he had a 46-kick, eight-handball game, which is just amazing stats. So you got blokes like him running around. Jonathan Lanyon's always been one that's impressed me. Uh, played in the flag at Kansas City, and you know he played those couple of games for the Tiwi Bombers, and he had like high 20s in the disposals. So you've got some very, very good players running around, don't you? 
Yeah, we do. We do. We're look. We're a well-ran club. We're well organised. We recruit pretty hard. Um, I think you know success we've been. If you look at sort of our journey over the, the 45 years, we've been very successful um, with what we've been able to do. We create a good environment, which I think players like to be part of. Um, and we're sort of continuing to go upwards, I suppose. And there's you know there's obviously a bit of discussion about Premier League and, and where we might go to, but. That's sort of a little bit up in the air at the moment, but we're in discussions about doing that. But uh, yeah, we sort of think we're we're around the mark with with who we bring. We also tell to target really good people as well. And if you look at both Nick and, and Jonathan, they're they're both ripping people. Yeah, Lee, it's Rob Hale here, mate. Um, obviously, with the Tiwi Bombers game also falling out, that gave uh, Waratahs the option to put in some Premier League blokes, and they put in I think probably seven or eight blokes named that were named in Premier League that played, and some of those were like Brody Carroll and Dill Collis, who played in the rep game. Seeing the margin, you'd have to be reasonably happy with going as close as them and give some confidence with you guys going into Premier League next year, if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah, they, had, you know, they weren't just sort of um, your 22nd-type player at Waratahs, who I think is second on the ladder. They were for the rep players, and I think Blair Bell played, who's from mm. Peel Thunder. Um, and, and just sort of fell you know, three goals short, and uh, we were a little bit scrappy and, and, and rusty. We hadn't played a game in about five weeks, so uh, we sort of thought, yeah, it was a pretty good result. Obviously, you know, we didn't get the four points, but I think we took a lot out of that game going forward. Lee, if Banks do go into the Premier League next season, is that a job that you'd be interested in continuing on with? I know you have experience coaching at Premier League level before. Uh, you've been very successful at that level. Would you like to coach Banks in the Premier League? Yeah, if they went up, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely look at it. Um, obviously, I'm sort of concentrating on this year and a bit cliche-ish, but yeah, you're definitely looking ahead and, and sort of seeing where they want to go. And if they were interested in it and they went up and they wanted me to, to have a go at it, then I'd definitely look at it for sure. Hey, Lee, can you talk to us about the relationship that Banks have with Tiwi? I know when Tiwi were unable to field a team uh, last week, there was some criticism about, well, why don't they draw upon Banks' players? I'm sure they have plenty of players. Um, but if you look at the Tiwi list, you will notice that Banks are giving players. Like I said, Jonathan Lanyon's played a few games, um, and I'm sure there are a few others on that. What is the relationship like with Tiwi and Banks? Is it working? Yeah, it's a good question. And we offered to give them more players too last week, which you know most people don't know about. But uh, we offered to do to do, make sure we could fill them up so they could get a side. Um, they declined that, uh, which they're well within their rights to do. We obviously had two, a decent game uh, versus Waratahs, one versus two. But, you know, as you said at the start, I've got a pretty big history with, with Tiwi. Um, and I've got a very big connection to a lot of those players and those people, so I've never let that club down um, and, and make, didn't want them to forfeit. Um, but for whatever reasons, they, they chose to do that. So um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. You'd have to ask them. But the relationship, um, you know, Tiwi is such a, it's a, such a difficult uh, and interesting um, and, and changing football club. It's like no other football club in Australia. You know, you've got to travel in... Uh, usually the day before by by ferry or by the plane, um, and there's, there's always things going on. They don't train together. Um, so what our role is, we've tried to I suppose be the Darwin base for those players that are based in Darwin. Not everyone can live on the island and play. Um, so the Tiwi guys have trained with us, um, and if guys want to um, and are, are good enough, they can go up and back. Basically, there's sort of a bit of an affiliation. Uh, or partnership. So John Oden recently has gone up, um, 
Anthony Giannini was going to go up last week and play, but unfortunately couldn't. Um, who else? And we sort of put a few other names up. I think Mick Hooker started with us, and he's gone on and played sort of nearly 50 odd games with Smith Tiwi now. Um, so, yeah, we're 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 there to do whatever we can to help them. We want to we want to see them thriving. I, I'm of the opinion if if they're up and about, you know, there's no better club in Australia to watch. So mm. uh, we want to see them thriving, and we're here to try and help that. And it's it's just going to take time. Yeah, that's well said, Lee. Um, is there any? Is David Zakarakis still going to be playing for you guys? Is, I don't think he's played yet, has he? No, he hasn't played. I, I don't think so. Look, um, I was thinking about this before. I thought this question might come up. So, yeah. um, Tim Bongetti, he played in my my premiership side back at Tiwi in, in 2012, and I sort of reached out to him at the start of the year to see if he knew of anyone that was interested in coming up and playing. And um, Tim's just recently retired, as has as Zachary and another guy um, that was potentially going to come up as well. Um, and Zachary, he's on. I think he's on. A, Australian Survivor or some television show at the moment, um, and I think he's actually retired from footy full stop. Uh, I think he's going to try and do a, a, one of those ultra triathlons or something like that, an Ironman thing. Um, yep. So it was only going to be a one-off game if he did play a home game, just to sort of generate some interest, but I think it's unlikely that it'll happen, although we've still got I think round 18's the last one, so there's still a chance that it might happen, but I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Um, just a question that I've got. Um, just regarding Pints, how have you seen their first season in Premier League? I'm sort of, I feel middle tier about it. Um, everyone else is sort of saying more so that they've exceeded expectations. What's your opinion on how they've gone this year? Yeah, I, I think they'd be they'd be happy without being satisfied. Um, you know, I think they're what sitting six, just outside the the five. Um, you know, they've lost that game to Tiwi on the island and drew with Tiwi in town. I think if, if those results were reversed, they'd probably be sitting fifth and maybe then they'd be uh, probably happy. Um, I, I don't know. I think if we, and I'm not, you know, we, I, we sort of compare ourselves similar to clubs, we think we're, um, I think if we went up, if we were sort of sitting fifth, fourth, sixth, we'd be, we'd be pretty content with that. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, Decent jump, um, and I think you know. I think you look at their reserve, their prem reserve side. They're sort of sitting six. I think that's a, a fair result um, as well. You know, to have that sort of depth. But uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion that you know it's okay. I think they've, they've done pretty well, but I think they've still got. I don't know. They still make finals. I think. So I think they make mm. finals. They'll be happy with that. Hey, Lee, it must make you sad to see Tiwi's current situation. I've watched a couple of old games on uh, YouTube, and they were like the Harlem Globetrotters of Australian football back when you were coaching. Um, I look at players like Rupert Papangamiri and Ross Tangatalam, and literally you could name their whole team, even their players that um, were considered depth players or, or you know, the, the lesser-known types were very, very good footballers. What are your memories back then of coaching that flag? Um, and I suppose put into words for people who may have only watched NTFL over the last sort of two or three years and have seen Tiwi struggling. Mate, when they are up and running, they are, as, like you said before, they're as good a team to watch as any team in Australia, aren't they? Yeah, they are. That's, to me, that's footy at its purest form. It's, it's a, attacking. It was, you know, our approach back then was sort of, you can, we'd sort of go, well, you kick five goals a quarter, we'll kick, we'll kick more. Um, and, and, you know, I was lucky. I, you know, we, were, we were lucky back then. I think we... we Definitely didn't appreciate what we had. As you said, you know, mm. Ross Tungatalam, you had Simon Mankara, Dion Mankara, he's still going around. 
Uh, you know, Austin Wanamiri out of the AFL, Eddie Darcy, um, Samson Mungatobi. I could, yeah, I could go on all day. Uh, and, and Rupert Papunga Mary, like he was probably, you don't have favourites, but uh, he was sort of <laughs> six foot two, six foot three, and you know, 100 kilos and could kick at 50 on both feet. So, um, yeah, you know, I think we were lucky to have that side that, that what we did have back then. And you, you're right, the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and yeah, I just thought, as I said before, they were the, they're, when they're up and going, they are the best side, in, in, and that probably includes AFL, in my opinion, just with their, their natural talent and awareness. You see, you know, the Rioli boys playing at the moment and just what they're capable of doing on the football field. And you know, we had 22 of those guys out there. Um, so I had the best seat in the house uh, to watch that unfold. Um, and yeah, the, the current situation's not not great at the moment. I don't know. I think they've won one game in three years or, or maybe four years. Um, so there's got a bit of we've got a bit of work to do. And I, my personal opinion is that you know the AFL community and that's NT, that's you know nationally as well. Everyone's got a bit of a responsibility to, to play in that, and that includes local people as well and local clubs because. Oh, I'm of the opinion that, that other local clubs need Tiwi up and going because they bring people mm-hmm. through the gate. They create attention to the uh, NT uh, and the unique. There is no other football club like them in Australia. So, you know, I think we've all got a responsibility to say, well, how can we help? What can we do? And what can we do better? Um, that's my opinion. I agree, mate. Very well said. Hey, Lee, thanks very much for your time this morning and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Lee. Cheers. Thanks for having me. This is SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, normally we do our pre-planned segments. We do the top 10. We do your power rankings and Raf's Rage and the good, bad and ugly. But there was no football last weekend, so no NTFL that is. So we're going to do something a little bit different. And this is the SEN 22. So... Before we go into it, can you explain the concept, Rob? Well, it's just the rolling team of the year, Jacko. So we're not looking at anything other than, you know, just the best 22 probably per position, though, mm. which we've done pretty well, I think, here, picking players in positions. And this is a side that you could play on a Saturday. So yeah. you've got your back rotations, your mid rotations, a ruck swap and another mid-half forward sort of type. And it's more well-balanced than probably what a rep side would probably historically be if you're trying to pick the best players and... Um, and mixing in more locals. So we're taking into account the positions. We're not necessarily just picking our best 22 and trying to find a spot for them. We're mm. trying to pick pick the best team that we can. So yep. from the back line, uh, I'll let you go with that. So we'll go to the full back line. The three players is Michael Bowden from Southern Districts, Matty Green from St. Mary's, and Kieran Parnell, the Wiz from St. Mary's. So Can't complain too much about that. Yeah, so only uh, Green didn't play on the rep side. Mm-hmm. Um, must have had some issues because he definitely would have um, played on form and his coach is the, the coach as well, the rep coach. And yeah. That's six St. Mary's blokes playing, so I don't think having seven would have been an issue. Nah. But Matty Green was the only one that didn't play on the rep side. Bowden holding it down, has, hasn't he, for Southern Districts for mm-hmm. a number of years. And Kieran Parnell has recovered from those two ACLs and probably is the future captain, a future captain of St. Mary's and possibly the rep side in the future. Pretty good mix there uh, down back. I think Bowden would be that rebounding type. They can all play defensively, but Bowden would take more of that rebounding role. Parnell is your stopper. Um, and Matty Green's a bit of a hybrid type. He's uh, really impressed me with his skills coming out of the back line, but he's also mm. I think he did a job on John Butcher earlier in the year and can also yeah. play as that big stopper. What about the halfback line? So halfback line is Dill Collis, uh, Driscoll, 
and Ryan Nyhouse, uh, Driscoll from Southern Districts, and Ryan Nyhouse, who we have named as the vice captain, who is the captain of Nycliffe and probably another future leader of the Arab side. So let's talk a little bit about Fraser Driscoll. I know he has missed out on the last two representative teams, uh, the official representative teams, mm. uh, has been a very good player for Southern Districts, and he has played some very good football in the offseason in the Bendigo Football League for Kyneton. What has Driscoll brought to the NTFL? Uh, he's, he's, he originally, I think, the year before, he was very good rebound, and he still does that, but I think this year he's taken on a bit more responsibility and taken on those gorillas a bit more. Um, and he has been the f- uh, form key back with Matty Green. Um, but obviously, you know, he did miss out on the rep side, um, which was, you know, is what it is. But um, his form stacks up. And he's also what I favour over the other guys like uh, Newman and... Uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, Taylor. Mitch Taylor. Sorry, folks. Sorry, Mitch. Um, is that... He's in the top side, and Wanderers are sitting seven or eight. If Wanderers are sitting four or five, then I'd probably have one of those guys over Driscoll. Yeah, Ryan Nyhouse, arguably the best defender in the comp two at the moment, I reckon. Um, played a very good game on the weekend. The centre line. Centre line is Anthony Treacy from Palmerston, Brody Philo in the middle from Nightcliffe, everyone knows Brody, and McMahon, I think it's Damien McMahon, isn't yeah. it, from, uh, from Pints on the wing. Hey, we need to talk about these wingmen, okay, because both of those yep. weren't, uh, you know, they're not getting the accolades that I probably should deserve. Anthony Treacy uh, spent a bit of time on an AFL list, uh, I believe it was West Coast, I'd have to double check that, didn't play a game, but has had that uh, experience at that level, just I couldn't imagine how much you'd learn just training for a year at AFL level, let alone playing, so mm. uh, there's no doubt that he's come up and playing pretty good football from from Western Australia. Uh, he's been great for Palmerston. Yeah, he definitely has, and he always features in the stats, doesn't he? So mm. he finds a football and he holds his width pretty well. And uses it well. You know, he uses it well. So if you're looking at a bloke that's playing, you know, like instead of having a midfielder that's going out there, we've decided to pick those uh, genuine wingers that hold position, mate. So And the other wingman, Damo uh, McMahon, has, he's another yep. one that's filling the stat sheet uh, whenever definitely. he plays um, for Pint. A Geelong Footy League gun. Yep. Um, so hasn't played probably as many games as some other players in this team. I think it's only about seven. He is name this week, which is a huge inclusion for Pints' contest against Buffs. Um, but yeah, Dan McMahon's one that's really impressed yeah, me. Yeah, I, I commentated the game and he was clearly, for whatever reason, they put him fourth or fifth best, but geez, he had 30, kick two mm. or something against, he was very good against Southern Districts and a lot of run and carry and can play halfback as well, but does look like a more genuine sort of winger type, doesn't he? And then you got Brody Filer in the middle, the guy needs no um, introduction. A Nichols medalist, premiership player, Everything. best and fairest. Especially um, got it all. just back on McMahon too that I like, and Tracy to a lesser extent. They're a decent size. When you think mm. about wingmen up in the territory, you think, you know, 65 kilo whippets and super quick and that sort of stuff. Whereas um, McMahon and Tracy give that sort of bit bigger sort of wingman. They can get back and sort of help defend um, and, yeah, be a real genuine attacking option too with their yeah. long kicking. Well, both of them were in the rep squad, but yep. McMahon was still in Geelong. So he d- he obviously had a break and um, didn't play for Pints as well before. So that was, um, yeah. We do need to go to a break very shortly. So we'll smash out this half four line. Half forward lines, Jared Stokes from Buffaloes is the captain, Darcy Hope from Waratahs and Stephen Motlop from the Eagles. So a lot cool. of experience there. So Ryan Nyhouse, the vice captain, the the skipper role would go to Jared in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. It's either him or Ryan. I think just because Jared's a bit older, mm. Ryan's pretty much 24, 25 and probably, yeah, you probably give it to Stokes for a year or two and then Nyhouse I think would be the next captain with maybe Parnell going to vice. 
Yeah, I don't think you go too wrong with Jared Stokes. He's led the Darn Buffaloes quite well for how long now? Probably about six or seven years as captain, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. So, they, they need to strike while the iron's hot with Jared Stokes at Buffaloes. The Buffaloes, yep. Darcy Hope, he's been one of your personal favourites. Yeah, definitely. Love the stickers on the guy and, um, yeah, being the best centre forward. But we haven't had many gorillas, have we, up here this year? So Darcy Hope has been the best centre forward, though. More of that hit-up style, hasn't isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, hit up, sort of. He hasn't gotten the goals, but his teammate, Jaden Magro, has. Yeah, I thought he played really good, too, uh, on the in the rep game. I think he hit a couple of goals and, and really mm. played that hit-up role that you talk about very well. Yep. Hey, plenty more to come on SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, let's finish off that team, our SEN 22, which is yep. the best 22 players in the NTFL competition. Just going back, we've got Bowden, Green and Parnell from the back line. The half back line, we have Dylan Collis, Fraser Driscoll, Ryan Nyhouse. The midfield, we have Anthony Treacy. This is the wings, the centre line. Brody Philo and Damo McMahon. And the half forward lines, what we just went through, is Jared Stokes, Darcy Hope and Stephen Motlop, who has been phenomenal since returning from the AFL. What's the full forward line? Uh, the full forward line is Jaden Magro, Jackson Calder, and Luke Smith. So, Magro. Smith, there he is. There he is. So, he finally gets a run. Um, we're looking out for you here, Luke. So, Luke's in the side. Um, Magro leading the goal kicking and not having that game against Tiwi. It's so interesting mm. to see if that affects him. And Jackson Calder up forward. He's breathing down his neck there. And uh, the number 26 um, best player in the, <laughs> on your page there, Jacko, Jacko Calder. He loves that number. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty good forward line, isn't it? And they're mostly genuine forwards as well. Yeah, I agree. Hey, let's talk about Luke Smith because we have joked about him. We've, he's number six in our uh, top end 10. Missed out on the rep side. Um, I know talking to coach Shannon Rusker, he, he thought that, you know, and for lack of a better word, he thought that Luke Smith should have been playing um, and, and same as Fraser Driscoll. So, uh, yeah, look, very, very good players. Luke Smith is a crafty footballer, always seems to be able to kick a few goals and get his 20-plus possessions. Uh, what have you noticed about Luke this year? Yeah, he's just that hybrid half-forward type. So he generally does start forward, but then he can go in the midfield and create some more um, options for him through the midfield. So has been a great pick-up from that Geelong Footy League, mate. So, Hey, we cannot leave our special guest waiting any longer. We have Territory Young Gun, Zach Bailey, on the line. Zach, are you here, mate? Yep. Hey, Zach. Uh, firstly, nice to meet you. I've been admiring your football from afar. Before we get into the footy side of things, how was your break? Did you do any travel? Uh, yeah, I did get away. Um, I got to New Zealand and did a bit of a road trip there. And um, I had a bit of a America trip booked, but uh, it didn't really go to plan. So, hey, that sounds a little bit like my trip. So we were supposed to go to LA, but flights got cancelled. So we had to spend an extra two or three days that we hadn't planned in New Zealand. What what was the go with your trip? Why didn't that go to plan? <laughs> uh, oh, a few people ended up pulling out, so it just yeah, just didn't really work out. But. Uh, I ended up, and that was going with the boys, and then um, New Zealand was with uh, with my partner. So uh, yeah, we went to went to the North Island, and then um, flew to the South Island, did a bit of a road trip down to Queenstown. Any budgie jumping? Nah, I'm I'm not about that one. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Fair I'm enough, mate. To, I'm sure. Happy to hold hold the bags for everyone and let them go. I'm sure there's many line supporters happy to hear that as well. Hey, congratulations on the two-year contract extension. That'll see you as a Lions player before uh, to the end of 2026. You must be loving it up in Brisbane, down in Brisbane for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, loved it here for the last five years, and we got such a um, great group of boys. So yeah, super excited to have signed on, and um, 
we've got a couple of players this year and I think we've got a really exciting list. So, um, yeah, super excited. Hey, Kadeen Coleman is one that I am loving watching. He So I played a bit of football with Kadeen at the Darn Buffaloes and he was actually playing yeah. in the reserve. So he has sort of gone from like NTFO reserves level to a gun halfback flanker just about overnight. I know um, I'm, a, I'm a Richmond tragic and I was watching the game at the MCG last year uh, and he had, I think, 30 possessions off that back line. So how have you found Kadeen's uh, rise, I suppose, and, and where do you think his ceiling is? Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's going really well at the moment. Um, I think he was playing a little bit of forward at the start of his career, and then um, as soon as he went back, he just yeah went to another level. And I think he's so classy um, with his foot skills, and as you said, he, he can find the ball. So, um, and, he, and he creates a lot for us off halfback as well. Zach, you are in some great form yourself. Uh, how has the preseason been, and what were the focuses for you heading into this preseason? Uh, yeah, for me, it was um, to obviously come back fit. I think um, I've sort of been improving over the last couple of seasons and, um, yeah, I just wanted to um, get a bit of a head start this, this pre-season and um, I think I did that coming back, running pretty well um, and, yeah, just keep developing on what I've done. Do you get back to the Northern Territory often? I heard a little sneaky rumour that you were up here the other week. What did you get up to? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, my brother's 18th was on the Saturday, so I came up for just a little weekend trip. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. We flew in Friday at 1 o'clock in the morning uh, and then left Sunday lunchtime, so it was a fair way to go for just the two days. I feel that us Territorians need to embrace you more. As Zach Bailey, the Territory kid, um, you know, the NT News should, should have you on the back page every second day. Um, do you, did you enjoy your time as a junior at Southern Districts and what do you remember from those years? Oh, yeah, I love playing footy in Darwin, apart, apart from the heat. Um, I think, yeah, it was, it was great playing footy up there, um, Southern Districts, and then with the uh, NT Thunderside. Um, yeah, I just, I just loved it up there and um, playing here. I thought it was hot here, and then I've gone back up for the weekend, and I actually realised how hot it was in Darwin. So, um, yeah, I actually couldn't believe um, how I ended up playing 15 years of footy up there. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, do you think there you're any chance to come back after your AFL career is finished? Hopefully, in about 15 years' time. But I think, and I could be wrong here. Please tell me if I am. But your old man played in a premiership up here for Palmerston, so that might be something that you need to emulate when you finish. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I'll probably uh, probably head back to some districts, but uh, yeah, no, that'd be something I'd uh, I'd be excited for. I think um, the way it works out, it sort of um, starts in the like in the off season for the AFL stuff. So I can probably play footy um, through that period, and then when that's done, come down to uh, go up to Darwin and play there. So yeah, that would be good. Yeah, and Zach, in your period at the football club as well, you've seen like a lot of players had exited the footy club just before you got there, and it's good to see that it's a bit of a destination club now. You've got Dunkley, Gunston um, both coming over, and Will Ashcroft uh, deciding to choose uh, lines. Um, what's the aims for this season? Is top four being spoken about or finals? Or Yeah, yeah, it has been spoken about. Obviously, the premiership is, is what we're aiming for, I think. Um, when we probably weren't in that position when... Uh, when I first got to the club, but uh, over the last couple of years, we've been pushing for top four and um, playing finals. And I think last year was, yeah, we were able to get a couple of wins in finals and probably just disappointing way to end. So I think, um, yeah, the boys are hungrier than ever this year to sort of go all the way. 
Hey, just a quick one on Will Ashcroft. Look, we are big fantasy football players here, and, and d- does the, the hype match the – like, is he going to match the expectations? Because the vision that I've seen – I watched his VFL games last year, and he looks ready-made. He looks like a player that you could put in straight away in round one. How's he looking at training? Yeah, he's, he's looking really good. Um, yeah, especially uh, in our line stuff when we're doing – Stop his work. He's he's uh, one of the key players, and yeah, he's looking really good at the moment. So um, yeah, he's, he's slotted in nicely. Yeah, Zach, are you enjoying the um, high half forward half forward sort of role that you are playing with the Lions, or can you see yourself going to the midfield a bit more when those uh, other likes like Zorko and those guys start weeding out of there? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the role I'm playing at the moment. Um, I think last year I played a little bit of midfield time. Uh, which was good and good for my development, but it might be tough this year, with, especially with uh, Dunkley and Astroff coming in to sort of get a gig in there. So um, I'm happy just playing playing the role that I am at the moment. I think I've sort of played all over the ground. I've played back, forward, wing, and I think that forward, mid sort of um, role best suits me. Hey, Zach, what's on for the rest of the day, mate? Uh... I think, oh, well, we got training in the Arvo. We'd, we've started match practice, so we've got a, got a game in Arvo and then go to the dentist at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds good, mate. Hey, thanks very much for joining us, and best of luck for the rest of your season. Thanks, Zach. Well, yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. This is SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Well, welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, Rob, plenty to go through. We were just speaking to Zach Bailey, one of the up-and-coming superstars of the AFL and a territory boy, most importantly. Um, that went well. I loved hearing from Zach. No, it definitely went very well. Um, playing a really good role at uh, at the Brisbane Lions, that high-half forward role, and has been a match winner for him. And you know, I think they're probably a top-four side this year. The Lions, they have to be, don't they? Oh, when you add those players like Gunston and yeah. Dunkley and you know, well, Will Especially the in. expectations internally. He did admit they're speaking about it, which I like. like yeah, there's same. an expectation that they're top four now. So, What about the expectations on Zach? Do you reckon he's any All-Australian chance? I reckon. If you're picking a side as a genuine half-forward hybrid type that can win games of footy without getting high numbers, and he's that, isn't he? But normally yeah. they put a midfielder on a half-forward flank. So. Exactly. He'd have to be in the top handful of half. Genuine half-forwards yeah. in the comp. He had, what, he had like a six-goal game or a couple of six-goal games or something last year. I think he kicked 37 goals for the year. Yeah. Kicked the game winner on one occasion. So yep. he's definitely one to watch. Hey, another one is Harley Bennell, a name very familiar with football followers. Now, he is playing at the Tiwi Bombers, and he was mm. picked in the NTFL representative team last week and played pretty good against South Fremantle. Articles have come out that he is searching for another opportunity at AFL level. He said that he is in talks with the VFL club this year. Do you think mm. there is any chance of seeing Harley Bennell at the elite level again? I think it's going to be pretty unlikely considering his age. Mm. Um, I must admit, when I, I've seen him play in his absolute prime at... Stephen May had got me and uh, my brother Anthony tickets and we went and watched them play North Melbourne. This was North Melbourne were pretty much a top four side and they were very good. And the Suns beat them in Melbourne. Mm. And Harley Bennell, I think he had 30 and kicked three that day. Yeah. was just everywhere and seeing that sort of level of player. But now that he's 30, he's definitely still fit and lean, but I just don't know if he can get back to that AFL sort of level. Nah, say what you want about Harley. If you look at his statistics at AFL level, oh, he could play the game. I think he had like a 38-touch, four-goal game, 29 mm. possessions, six goals against Geelong, I think, of all teams. Yeah, he, was, um, he was stealing votes off Gary Ablett. That's a, yeah. That's the level he was at, wasn't he? Well, I reckon he's been one of, you know, like you got your Prestia and players like that, but he's almost been one of Gold Coast at his peak, 
best midfielders when like obviously it only lasted for about 80 or 90 games and he had a lot of injury issues but Benel at his best is just about as good as Gold Coast have seen apart from the great man Gaza. Yeah well I'm looking at his stats now he had four seasons where he averaged over 21 disposals um, mm. from 2012 to 2015 and that's you know as a young player just being drafted so that's as a 19 year old so it's pretty crazy numbers to put up. Um, he was definitely at that level and probably deserved to be that early pick, but just didn't um, eventuate for him from 2016 onwards, did it? So. Nah. Do you rate how he's going in the NTFL for Tiwi? I did at the start of the year, um, but like his form and Tiwi's form, they have dropped off, haven't they, the Bombers? And, you know, it's disappointing he's, he, um, that they have dropped off, but with having him and Daly and a few of those blokes, if they can commit to the, you know, commit to the football club, then I think it's upwards for the Tiwi Bombers, but they need to sort out some of those local issues as well, you know. Plenty more to come. We need to go through all of the NTFL action this week, and we will talk about, we'll finish off our SEN Top 22. That is going really good at the moment. Mm. I'm sure causing plenty of controversy for those tuning in. Here at SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Well, welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16, 11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Hey, make sure to download the SEN app for a crystal clear version of our show every week. I would recommend that, Robbie. Hey, SEN 22, this is a new one that we have brought out, which is like your rolling best 22, is that right? Yep, pretty much. So... We will go through the team in its entirety after, but we are up to the rucks, the all-important ruck line. Who have we got? Uh, i got Matt Dennis, uh, Dill Lant, and Mitch Robinson. So two players that played in the rep side. Matt Dennis unavailable for the rep side. Um, so that's the that's the uh, for midfield. No real surprises there. Let's talk about Matt Dennis. Didn't play in the rep team due to unavailability, but would have picked mm-hmm. himself um, had, had he have been there. Just a look. I'm going to call it now. He's the best ruckman that I've ever seen up in the territory. Uh, I think that he's been up here flying in as well, which you need to take into account um, because it's not easy to fly in and play up here. But he has been a phenomenal player for Palmerston and now Southern Districts. Yeah, definitely has. And I think now you can sort of. I, I was always a bit thing on him when he was at Palmerston, but then now seeing him in a better side, um, he has you know really shown how good he was and. Um, how good he is, actually. And he is, what, 36, 37. Mm. He's at that older age, but he's still holding up and best ruckman in the Territory. Fantastic career down south, too. I think he's won, like, three or four Northern Football League medals. He went mm. down to Tasmania and was a part of a drought-breaking premiership at the club he was at there. Yep. Dylan Lant, we've spoken about uh, a lot, so we don't need to talk too much about him, but a running machine. I thought mm. that, um, you know, he stood up again at state league level against South Fremantle and, and was clearly one of the Territory's better players. And Mitch Robinson's another that doesn't really need much of an introduction. But I think having Robinson, Lant and Philo, if they were your three on ballers, it just creates such a perfect mix. You've got Robinson as that inside bull, the grunt, You've got the run of uh, Lant and you've got the skill and experience, I suppose, of Brody Philo. So a very good midfield there and, and who would complain rucking to Matt Dennis. So that's a great midfield. Uh, let's go through the interchange. Interchange, Benz, is Bradley Stokes as a flexi back. Uh, Mench as a midfield rotation. Paredes as a midfield rotation. Perhaps one of them is a winger. And Arnold Kirby as the ruck swap. So pretty strong bench there, mate. Definitely. Jared Stokes I like as a pure on baller. I mm. think that he's played a lot of these representative games. And because he's very quick, they put him on a half forward or on a wing and say, use your pace, which he has pace and you know he's got heaps of pace but I love his clearance winning ability I think that he's underrated just how strong he is in the contest just how hard he is to tag or play defensively his breakaway speed from the midfield is almost like what Chris Judd used to do back in the day Um, so I'd love to see him play in that team in a midfield rotation 
Uh, Baxter Mench is a ball magnet, one who would also play through the guts. Is he, you know, when we're doing our top end 10 and doing teams like this in a bit of danger of dropping out due to the fact that he hasn't been seen for a couple of weeks now and, and who knows, he may be preparing for a, a southern season? Yeah, definitely, definitely, Clarky probably is a chance to drop out, and which is very stiff considering how much how mm. high his numbers are that he's averaging. But you know the side is pretty strong, and we do have some um, emergencies that we will name now that are you know putting up great numbers and are still playing. So Baxter Mench is in danger of doing that as well. Arnold Kirby, just a quick mm. one. Uh, I thought he played pretty good in that representative team. Um, yep. I know a lot of people have sort of said that he's the third ruckman. Uh, we've mm. made the tough call. Uh, picking him in front of Brock Carter from Pint. And we definitely rate Carter. We've spoken about Carter numerous times on this show, so there's no slight on him. Um, I, I prefer Kirby's, I suppose. He's like another midfielder. I think his mm. ball use and his knowledge of the game is very, very strong. Um, and, and I think he fits into any team. Kirby can also go forward uh, and play in different positions on the ground, such as his skills. So I reckon he deserves that spot on there. And, and Nate yeah. Paredes was probably no surprise there. Nate Paredes averaging really high numbers. And Arnold Kirby... And um, Carter, there's not much in it, is there? Yeah. Um, Carter probably more the better top ruckman and probably did beat him when they went head-to-head. But yeah. Kirby's still around the ground, still got a fair bit of it and uses the ball really well as well for a big man. His skills are probably the best um, I agree. next to Dennis. Yep. No, for sure. How about the emergencies? Uh, emergencies, we've got Matt Shannon, Ash Hams and Tommy Schott. So... Shot's putting up some great numbers. Um, SANFL experience, mate. So mm. he's doing great things for Pints. Hopefully he's a player they can keep. Um, Ash Hams coming over from Banks has been very good um, for them and playing that half-back role. And really, when they have won games of football, he's been instrumental. And Matt Shannon's another recruit. Carlton VFL captain, I believe. So he's been really good and did play on the rep side. But we're only, we can only pick 22. And overall, Clarky, that's uh, seven out of the 22 did not play on the rep side, which is... You know, around the mark. That's I think that's fair. Are most of those players that we've picked that didn't make it are they Southerners? Uh, yeah, they pretty much all are except uh, Maddie Green. So Maddie Green probably was in Catherine unavailable. Awesome. We might touch on who some of the unlucky players were in a little moment, but we do need to go to a short break. This is Sen Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Well, welcome back to Sen Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Hey, Robbie, we have a very, very special guest, an NTFL champion or legend. He's probably at legend status now, I reckon, after his illustrious career at the Nightly Footy Club. Brody Philo, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. How are you, fellas? No, nah, not too bad, mate. Hey, I'll start. Um, you first played up in the Territory. I've always wanted to ask you this for Waratah, and I remember, uh, you know, you were a prominent feature in some of those big games where Favola was playing and Waylon Manson was kicking a bag. How did you first arrive to the Territory, and um, how come you're still not in the red and white of the Warriors? Oh, well, it all started out. I played um, country footy with um, Heath Culpert, and obviously yeah. he, uh, he was uh, assistant coach there at Tars, and... Got me up and, yeah, it was a bit different. I sort of played back line and, like, I was only 21. Didn't really know, you know, how to live out at home and that. And so I only really lasted eight games. So, yeah, that's the only reason I was there till early days. Then up at Nycliffe. Ah, fair enough. And it was a good decision, no doubt. Um, you've had another great season to not cap off a great career. I'm sure you've got many years of football left, but you are a big, big chance to be a three-time Nichols medal winner. Um, how have you rated your season personally? And I know you don't play for individual accolades, so you're not going to come out and say, oh, look, I think I'm a very good chance for this Nichols. But are you happy with your individual form? Um, oh, I think it's been all right. Like, um, you know, we've 
been through some tough times this season when we lost five in a row. But, no, nah, I think it's been not too bad. It's good now that the boys are um, starting to play some good footy. We won three in a row on the trot. So, yeah, hopefully I can still find some form and we can do some damage in finals. Yeah, Brody, how initially did you actually get to the Tigers? That's Robbie here. Um, so I'm um, good mates with Troy Coates, and I actually flicked him a message um, uh, pre-season before um, I ended up at Tigers, and he passed my number on to your old man. Oh, yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, Damo messaged me and, yeah, got to Tigers and haven't looked back since. I think I've been there maybe eight. I think it might be nine seasons or something now. So enjoy every um, moment of it. It's been highs and lows, but uh, Nyquist has been unreal and really happy that I've made the move to Tigers. Yeah, and you guys um, had that really slow start to the season. What, what do you reckon, um, and now you're back day, but what did you just put down that slow start to in the end? Um, we Well, you know, most years up in the NT, there's a rollover of players and that, and I think, um, you know, we had a fairly big turnover of players, and then it's probably taken us probably 12 rounds to sort of all start to know each other's abilities and capabilities and now we're actually playing really well as a team probably um, took a leaf out of um, the Div 1's book where um, they've been playing some good team footy and we've sort of started playing the same because I think Div 1 are first or second so yeah we've just been playing some good team footy and yeah it's obviously shown in the results yeah, you're pretty confident you guys are back now, winning three on, a, on the trot. And seeing the St. Marys lineup, they've got a few good ins, but they do have a few weaker players at that bottom level. How, what's the confidence level like going into this week's game? Oh, you know, we sort of look at every week. we just got to take it step by step. And Saints is probably, well, obviously, the top benchmark that you want to beat, being the Premiers last year and had a pretty big rivalry with them obviously, the last three or four years. So every time we play Saints, no matter what side they put in, it's always going to be a pretty tough night. So no, we're expecting just to play our best footy and hopefully that will um, yeah, see the results Saturday night. Brody, I know you're going to say we take it one week at a time, but is there still that belief around the club that you can win a flag? You've obviously been there before and you know what a premiership team feels like. Can Nycliffe win it this year still? Well, I have. I don't look into it too much, but I do believe we still can pinch third if we can win the rest of our games and, you know, a few other results go our way. But I think, you know, with Darwin footy, anything can happen every week where I think Wanderers years ago or maybe eight or nine years ago, whatever, they won coming from fifth, I think it was. So mm. we know that, you know, if we bring our sort of footy that we can play, we sort of match it with anyone, but... Obviously, the top three at the moment are pretty playing some pretty solid footy. So, just to get a chance to play all those sides in the later part of the year will be, you know, awesome. And I think our club's probably got it in us. Mate, you've had an illustrious career down south, uh, dominated in the Ovens and Murray, and and our boy Darren Creswell would always send me messages asking about you and checking up on you. So, um, plenty of concern there shown by Mr. Yeah. Creswell. Um, yeah. Do you? How do you compare the NTFL, which you've won two league medals, to leagues like, say, the Bendigo Football League or the Ovens and Murray Football League, Goulburn Valley? You've played in a lot of really good leagues down south. How does our game up here compare to that? Oh, it's um, yeah, it's a different one. Like it's completely different conditions. Obviously, it's pretty much like playing in the wet up here, which I think I sort of adapt well to because you know in Bendigo and all that it does rain a lot. So. No, it's, it's getting stronger each year up here. You know, 
the quality, I think, from the first years I was up here till now, I think most sides are getting a lot deeper. Where, you know, like a few years ago, it wasn't that flash, you know, from probably your 10th to your 22nd player, but it's pretty solid now in the depth. So you've got 20 good players on every side, I think. So, no, the depth is just really strong. So it's all pretty the same. Brody, you have some of the best skills that I've ever seen on a footballer, and that includes these ex-AFL players that come up and play up here. Uh, do you ever think that you – like, do you think you've maximised your ability as a player? Do you ever look at players running around in the AFL that are missing targets and think, oh, wow, I would not be doing that at that level? Um, is, are there any what-ifs with your football career? Um, oh, I think everyone, you know, you, you have flaws in that. And I, I think I've definitely probably got the skill set, but I think it takes a lot more – to play at the top level than skill set. So, yeah, there's a lot uh, more people out there more probably determined to make it to that level. But as probably, you know, and a lot of people know, I'm a pretty cruisy person, so I don't know if I'd be cut out for all the stuff that the AFL boys go through, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the story goes that you were good mates with Dustin Martin back as teenagers and everyone when they were watching you two kicking the footy, it was, it was your skills that caught the attention of people walking past. So... I think you're selling yourself short there a bit, Brody, mate. That's um, nah. you're a fair bit of talent there. Nah, well, nah. I was all right through the juniors and that, but nah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Are you committing to Wang Rovers next year, Brody? Uh, yeah, heading back down. So once I finish up here, I will um, relocate back to um, Wangaratta for another season down there. It's looking pretty good. Picked up some pretty quality recruits, so... Um, Looking forward to heading down to Wang Rovers again for another good season, hopefully. Yeah, and I've seen that Wang Rovers has also signed the Prime Train. So have you had much to do with the Prime Train at all, Tommy Bolch? No, I haven't. I've played, I've played against him a couple times, but see, he's a pretty colourful character. So, yeah, we might get on pretty well down there, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you better get used to having a camera in your face. Yeah, it um, shouldn't be a problem, hopefully. <laughs> hey, uh, Brody, do you think that you'll ever get into coaching? I know your old man Derek's done a lot of coaching in Victoria. Actually coached me at Kyneton when I was flying in as a, as a kid. Um, and, and he was a great man and, and has a great reputation as a coach. Is that something that you're interested in doing? Um, I think so down the track. Like I think once I stop um, sort of playing at a higher level, I guess, you know, once I sort of get pushed out to a forward pocket or something, I might look into it because Dad has offered to help if I do go somewhere. But, yeah, I think I've still got, you know, probably five or six years of just playing before I even consider something like that. No, very good, Brody. Hey, best of luck for the rest of the season and especially this weekend against St Mary's. Thanks for joining us. Luck, Brody. No worries. Thanks, fellas. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Top End. It is now time for the Rain and Horn Darwin update. And there are a couple of properties here, Rob. The first one is at 233 Kenby Place in Rosebury. A three-bedroom, two-bathroom duplex. Perfect for the home buyer and investor alike. Trendy three-bedroom duplex home positioned within a premium suburban setting of Rosebury. Only a moment's away from parklands and you can go for a run and kick the footy with your dog or your kids, probably more like it. Mm. Conveniently located just near Rosebury Primary School, there's a GP clinic and the best Indian takeaway in Palmerston. I've tried it myself. They do a great chicken tikka masala. Step into the home with a hallway leading through to the living and dining areas at the rear with sliding doors taking you through to the outdoor entertaining areas with the private courtyard. 
Kitchen has a pantry along with an island bench and breakfast bar seating, all finished in modern tones with super functional layout and a great flow. Offers over $435,000 and it's open to view this Saturday from 9 to 9.30. Yeah, that's a great property. And property two is $29 courts uh, in gun there, three bedroom, two bathroom house. Rannan Horn Darwin is pleased to present this solidly constructed family home in the uh, leafy suburb setting of gun, only moments from the picturesque lakes area near the golf course there. Vacant and moving ready this home offers the savvy first home buyer downsizer or even an investing chance to capitalize on this uh, growth area in palmerston the pro- uh, property is positioned near the picturesque lakes area and gun uh, also you've got the prime uh, bakewell primary school there and walking within walking distance it makes this makes a perfect move in ready adobe and uh, the whole family will love it it's on the market at the moment for 465,000, and you need to come and see that at 10 30 uh, Saturday. Very good, Rob. Hey, we have our NT Thoroughbred segment with our NT Thoroughbred Chief Executive, Andrew O'Toole. Andrew, do we have you on the line? Robbie, you are a man that loves your racing. Did you get around to seeing any of the Australia Day meet? Yeah, I watched a bit of it. Um, yeah, I had to put a couple of bets on, but uh, to no avail. I think I got the first race, but that was about it for me Whoa. yesterday. Let's talk to him now. Andrew O'Toole, the Chief Executive of NT Thoroughbred Racing. Do we have you on the line? Yes, I'm here, guys. How are we? Yeah, good to have you, Andrew. Um, so, yeah, the uh, sixth race card yesterday. Were there any surprises? Uh, a couple of surprises. So a couple of uh, interesting results and some really, really good racing uh, there yesterday, guys. The feature race uh, was the fifth, the wet season series final of 40,000 was up for grabs there. Uh, and a horse called Zoomist took it out, having its fourth start in the top end for trainer Angela Forster. And Jared Todd... Uh, our leading rider here for the last three or four years. He took the mount. Uh, opened earlier in the week uh, when the fields came out, guys, at uh, about $21, and they backed it right into uh, 6 bucks. So somebody uh, was uh, all over Zoomist, um, beautifully ridden, trailed uh, about sixth in the run, and uh, once in the clear on the home straight, um, rocketed home to beat Lucky Dog, uh, who had every chance, and Colhoun was third. But um, really good win there for Zoomist and one of the features. And the other feature race on the day, guys, was... Um, the Ladbroke Summer Sprint Series uh, Heat, uh, number three, that was race two. Mr Cashman took that out. Jared Todd again, so Toddy had a good day, and that was for our leading trainer, Gary Clark, um, led all the way and was just too strong for them over the concluding stages, beating Sharatera and Jet Jackson. Um, so those are the two features, but there was um, some really, really good racing, a couple of uh, very impressive winners. Uh, the likes of From the Never Never won the last. This horse hadn't raced for uh, well over 12 months. It had... Um, Quite a few issues, but Tommy Logan, uh, a great piece of training to get the source to win first up after such a long break, and his partner Sonia Wiseman uh, was in the saddle there. And that combination also won the first race on the day uh, by a bare um, pimple of a margin. It was a very, very close Malibu edition, uh, taking it out from constant cause, and uh, that gave uh, Sonia and Tommy a double on the day. Yeah, from the Never Never, really good name that is. And yeah, I was on the uh, Malibu edition as well. Just got that photo, which is really good. What happened to our horse Beachhaven in the fifth? It, uh, I put a little investment on it, but yeah, I couldn't. Um, it didn't feature in the top four, did it? No, it didn't. Talking to rider Paul Shires uh, afterwards, he said uh, first time the horse has really copped any uh, kickback, any dirt in its face. It had won its mm. uh, only two starts in Darwin, but it had been on the outside and hadn't really copped that uh, that dirt uh, being flowing back in it. So, um, uh, unfortunately, didn't uh, didn't finish as close as we'd like. But um, uh, don't leave it uh, um, 
out going forward. I think the horse has um, got a lot of ability, um, and if it's uh, hopefully learnt from that experience, and um, we'll get our money back down the track, guys. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so next week we do have a race meet on the Saturday, 4th of Feb in Darwin. Um, so everyone locally um, try to get down to that one. But we've got an Alice Springs card tomorrow. Is there anything? Only a four-race card, though, Andrew. That's right, just the four tomorrow and Alice. They had their first meeting uh, back this year and their first meeting for five weeks uh, last week. So they're just a little bit light this week, lost a race uh, uh, due to insufficient entries. But um, the four races are still pretty good on the day. Um, I do like number two uh, in race three, Al Luca. He's um, obviously, like most of these horses, having his first start uh, this campaign. Pretty good sprinter on his day. He's a nine-year-old now, so he's not getting any younger. But um, the 1,100 metres should suit. And the Kerry Patrick and Philip Kreitch combination going really, really well at the present time. So race three, number two, our Luca for me and Alice tomorrow. Um, just harking back to yesterday, guys, if I can. Really good day here on course uh, at Penny Bay. Um, very fortunate with the weather. We had a heavy downpour in the morning at about half past 10. Uh, lasted for about half an hour. It was really heavy rain. But thankfully, by the time the uh, racing started in the afternoon and the people came out, uh, we got through the day almost unscathed um, weather-wise. And, and a crowd of uh, over a 1,000 people on course here yesterday. So they really supported the meeting. And uh, it was great to see a lot of families and a lot of kids here at the races yesterday. Thanks very much, Andrew. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Good on you guys. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks, Andrew. No worries. Hey, Rob, we do need to fly through round 15 of the NTFL action. It's great that the NTFL is back. We all love rep footy, but, you know, the club stuff is where it's all happening. Hey, first game, Southern Districts versus Tiwi Bombers. Firstly, before we get into the ins and outs and what's going on, is this game going to go ahead? Oh, I hope so. Tia, we haven't named their side yet, Jacko. So, it's a bit of a concern. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern. I hope it does go ahead. We can't have um, games being forfeited at this level and not a fan of it. We've also got Brody Grace debuting as well for Southern Districts, it looks like. And he's a young fellow I did coach um, in the under-15s about three or four years ago. So he's only probably 17, 18 years old. And his old man's um, Jason's done a lot of work at that footy club. So it's a good um, re- reward for that young fella. Um, I'm predicting Southern Districts to win this. If it does go ahead by, you know, 10 goals, what's your prediction, Clarkie? Oh, look, I don't want to, you know, say anything too bad about the Bombers. They're a team that are struggling. They have um, different challenges that other teams don't even know about. You know, yeah, I, I do definitely. I do definitely relate to the struggles that they're going through. Um, but I don't think they're going to be competitive here. I think it'll be a huge effort if they get within 10 goals of an angry Crocs team. Uh, I know, you know, we know it doesn't have to take a lot of reading between the lines that Shannon Rusker wasn't happy with his performance um, a fortnight ago, only mm. naming four players in the best, and it was a big loss to Nycliffe. Yeah. So I think that the hungry Crocs will feast on some Bombers um, if, if this game does go ahead. Hey, almost the match of the round I reckon. Nycliffe and Saints potentially, yeah, but Darwin Buffaloes and Pints uh, in the context of this season, it's such an important game. Pints, talking to a few of their players, are saying, hey, we're still talking about finals. We think we're in with a chance. But if they're going to make the finals, they're going to have to win this week, aren't they? Yeah, definitely have to. And Buffs have named a reasonably strong side, I think, on paper. And Pints have named a, you know, they've got a few players back. McMahon, as we mentioned, is back. Mm. I just think Buffs' pace is going to worry Pints. And I don't think that's an issue that can be addressed this season for him. And I think Buffs should win this. But not by much. Three or four goals is my prediction. So you did mention Damian McMahon, a perfect in, I think, for Pints to be able to patrol that wing area there. Um, the bus wingman will need to be accountable uh, and not let him run riot. Uh, yeah. The Green Ants need more pace. They've been exposed twice against Tiwi Bombers, a team mm. that shouldn't have been able to get close to them. I think they're one loss and a draw against them this year. Um, what do Pints need to do? Where are their advantage here over the Buffaloes? 
I think they've got some good role players, so I think they're going to have to... I think, and Shadow Motlop has done that this year. I think they're going to have to lock down a few of Buffalo's key players. Mm-hmm. If they're able to do a tag on Jared Stokes and, and nullify him, his input, I think last time he might have run right against them. Kids yeah. three or four, didn't he? Um, so I reckon... And no Mitch Robinson in there, so no. they might have... Yeah, if they can if they can alter Jared Stokes's game, like that, that's where I'd probably try to... Get it, and then you've got the big forwards up there, and then they can go with them big forwards. Tom Bolch, Ryan Pendlebury, and Nick Favretto expecting to fly in for the Buffaloes. Hey, Nycliffe and St. Mary's, we do not have a lot of time left, but we do. We must spend some time on this game. Uh, if, yeah. if the Pines game isn't the match of the round, it's this one. Are the Tigers any chance here? Yeah, this is the match of the round for me. Um, let's see if Nycliffe are back. Um, Nycliffe are the best defensive side in the comp, which is pretty surprising, mm. um, with them sitting fifth. And but Saints can score so well. St. Mary's the second best offensive, and Saints love a shootout now. So mm. you've got Butcher, Boyle, Hartlett, and Smithson in for both sides. They're four massive ins, two um, for each side. And Sample Nycliffe guns, are, all of them. Yeah, Sample guns. And Nycliffe are sixth best defensive, so it is going to be a bit of a defense-first uh, attack, isn't it, Clarky? How are you seeing this one? Who are you tipping? Gee, I'm going to have to go with St. Mary's in a close one, but it really could go either way. I tell you what, I'm very impressed with some young fellas at the Tigers, Daniel Quinn and Peter Politis. Both have played really, really good football over the past couple of weeks. Quickly, a note on those two players. Yeah, I've coached against those two guys, and they've always given me um, match-up concerns. And it's good that Nycliffe played them. I would have played them both a lot earlier, but they're both fit, play a role and listen. Um, what you want is young players. And they weren't the uh, most gun juniors coming through, but they've come through and now playing senior football and other kids in that age group aren't. And I'm tipping Nycliffe. Oh, big one. Play them the rest of the year, I reckon. Definitely. Quinn and Politis. Just, uh, those young players can inject so much enthusiasm into a team. And the final game uh, on Sunday is the Foundation Cup at Tracy Village this year, not at Gardens. Uh, mm. Wanderers versus Waratah. Both teams have named pretty strong sides. Dane McFarlane, the key in for Wanderers. As I said, normally this game is played uh, on January 26 at Gardens Oval this year to be at Tracy Village. Does the change in venue increase Wanderers' chances? Oh, it definitely does. But I think Wanderers needs If Wanderers are to win this, they need to play the play a lot smarter. Um, when you go into the non-scoring end, maybe they control the football a bit more. But their backline does like to control the football, but they can't do it when they go into the scoring end. They need to be more quicker, quicker ball movement. I um, mean, get that match-up right on Magra. I'm not too sure mm. Wanderers who's going to take. It might be Dos Anjos to Santos, or it might be uh, McLean. But someone's going to have to go to Magra. Dos Anjos, Rafael Dos Anjos, the UFC yeah. fighter, yeah. Dos um, Dylan Dos Santos, of course, a very good, uh, well, you can play that negating role quite well, and they'll need someone to negate Magro. You can't let that guy run loose. Um, yep. Hey, Joel Crocker in some strong form mm-hmm. for Waratah. Yeah, definitely is. Um, with Dill Collis going on the ball the other week, um, he was, you know, Joe Crocker was very good across half-back, and I'm tipping Tarzo in this one by five goals. Yeah, I'll go Waratah as well. So that just about wraps us up, I'm assuming. We're both going for district. Pint Buffaloes quickly, tip. I'm going Buffs three goals. Yeah, I go Buffaloes as well. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. There was plenty to talk about. We spoke to Lee Crossman, Brody Philo, and Zach Bailey. Uh, the app will be available on social media and via the SEN app, the replay of the podcast, I should say. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday afternoon. Robbie, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jacko. That is SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.